0: MLM Nation, episode 203. It's really important to sell yourself first. Get really focused what your values are, where you're going, and why, and that you're going to go the distance.
1: If you want to be successful, you just have
0: to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to
1: MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chas
0: where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners.
1: For just $1, you can get all access to over 17 training courses, weekly coaching, you can ask me questions, 30 newsletters, and network with top distributors. Go get a dollar trial to MLM Nation Insider at MLMNationInsider.com. Again, that is MLMNationInsider.com. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan. And before we start, make sure you check out our partner, Networking Times. If you like ML Nation, you love Networking Times. Each issue is packed with amazing trainings and stories just like ML Nation. Go check them out at MLNation.net forward slash times. Again, that's MLNation.net forward slash times. And now, here's today's iTunes review of the day. This is from Kim chan Lee from the UK and out in England. He says, simply awesome. Just wanted to say a massive thank you to Simon and his team for these great podcasts. Also, thank you to all the guests on the show who have shared their stories and given tips to us, beginners, as well as experienced entrepreneurs. God bless you all abundantly. Well, Kim chan Lee, thank you for sharing that testimonial. And thanks also to the leaders who contribute. They're taking a lot of the building, the working hard, building businesses. If they're not, they've got spending time with their families. They're taking valuable time to share this. So when you see these shows, make sure, on, especially on Facebook, go uh, contact them, send them a thank you note because uh, they have taken their time to share to really give back to the community. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for Kim Chan-Lee. And if you feel this show has helped you out, please take one minute, just go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a you know quick review on iTunes and let us know how this show has helped you out. Or if you feel you have suggestions, do that as well. We're open to reading them. So anyway, uh, that's it for the iTunes review. And let's go to today's show. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I'm fired up to bring our special guest today all the way from New Zealand, <laughs> Helen Jameson. Are you ready to make it happen? <laughs> yes, I am, Simon. Helen Jameson was extremely skeptical about network marketing when she first looked at the industry in her late 20s. She was $50,000 in debt and working 80 hours a week in her traditional business when she got started in MLM. But within 14 months, she was able to earn enough to cover her household expenses and bring her husband home from his high school teaching job. Helen and her husband went on to become million-dollar income earners. But more importantly, while the family faced a series of really difficult life events, the business continued to faithfully produce residual income so they could focus on the stuff that really matters. Helen has taken her real-life experiences and wrote a book called The Networker. It's a novel about what it takes to succeed in network marketing. Helen and her husband live out in Matakana, New Zealand. So, (laughs) Helen, I know you say you love the way I pronounce Matakana, (laughs) but I just give an MLM Nation just a brief intro. But please share more about your background and how you got started
0: in MLM. Oh, gosh, I was thinking about this before we spoke, Simon, and it's been a long time since I've told – this story, I suppose. And, um, and I guess it started when I, I had never really been able to hold down a job. My dad had died, um, when I was just 17 and he was only 50 and he died from a heart attack and he was very, very focused on, you know, you get a good education, you get a job, you work in that job and then you retire. And he, He had loomed really large in my life. He was was extremely important to me. And when he died, I was absolutely devastated. And a strange side effect of it was that I just found I couldn't hold down a job. The longest I ever held down a job was four months. And I just got an overwhelming sense of claustrophobia, the clocking in and clocking out. And I just had this sense of selling my life by the hour. And it was, wasn't something I had as a conscious thought. It was it was just a sort of feeling of having to escape. And then I'd sort of bounce on to the next thing. And eventually, I was studying to be an osteopath. And as I was doing that study, I figured it was a job that I would become more valuable rather than less valuable, as I got older. And so that's what drew me to it. I wanted to be in charge of my own time. I wanted to be using my brain and developing a skill set that would sort of increase as I aged. But as I was doing that training, I read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I didn't know how much I was searching until I read that book. And it was, I mean, I've heard a lot, you know, many, many successful people say this, but it was a real aha moment for me because I realized that you could apply yourself to this money thing just the same way as I'd apply myself to anything else in my life, you know, giving up or stopping smoking, moving to New Zealand, you know, originally I'm from England, um, going about becoming an osteopath, anything where I could think, okay, I want to achieve this thing and... I'm going to apply myself to that process. What Robert Kiyosaki showed me was that you could do that with money and that you get the money thing done and stop it being this um, force that controlled every decision that I was making. It was going to choose how I was going to spend my life. And money was is really important, but it wasn't important enough for me to sell my life by the hour for it. And Robert Kiyosaki calls it, um, you know, modern slavery. You're, you're enslaved to wages. And all of these light bulbs were going off. And I was so enthused. It was kind of like a spiritual experience for me where it was such a rush to realize. It was like realizing I could be free. And so I kind of uh, gave that fever to my husband. And we set about really ducking and diving to, to try and create um, residual income streams, business income streams. And we did that in many, many ways. We imported health foods that turned out to be a very expensive lesson. But, I mean, we did learn heaps, but we didn't make any money and it was a lot of work. And, but that was great because of what we learned. And I carried on studying. He was a high school teacher. And we, we took other people's money. You know, We sold them on the idea of investing in property, and so we did a lot of no money down property deals. We traded property. We held property with positive cash flow. And eventually I had supported myself through college by being a massage practitioner. And I started a business where we, we went into workplaces. We went into people's homes and we took the clinic to the individual and I That became a business that I got an Enterprise New Zealand award to to pursue that. And I ended up leaving college and um, pursuing that. And I was working 80 hours a week to do that. My husband, the the higher up the pay scale he went, the further away he got from the classroom and that teaching that he loved to do. And the longer hours he was working. And we were doing this, you know, we were kind of still in that fever but my business wasn't paying me much money. You know, anyone who's run a traditional business knows that the first three to five years, you don't get paid. You know, you you survive, usually. And it was about then that my neighbors caught my eye. And they were a very understated couple, a very earthy, bohemian pair. And they drove like an old convertible Saab. And they were just cruisy, man. They were just... They were great and they were very interested in who we were and excited about this path of wealth development, but not in not in that feverish way. They weren't quite as manic as us. They were just, they kind of had, had class, I suppose. And they also had two young kids. We didn't have kids at that point. Um, We had a, had a dog who we were, you know, we weren't spending enough time with our dog. And so we were really, we were in that looking zone, but I don't think we realized we were, you know, we were My husband was really focusing on the property. I was focusing on my traditional business. And when I found, they were both working from home and they took their kids to school in the morning and they brought them home in the afternoon. And then every school holidays, they just disappear and they go to their home by the sea with their kids. And it was like, okay, you know, as I'm running to stand still, what is it that you guys are doing? And my husband found out he'd gone for a bike ride with the with the husband in that relationship. And he came home and said, they're doing network marketing. And I remember this swooping disappointment that I felt. I can still feel it today where it was like, man, they seemed like such nice people.
1: They must be evil. <laughs> and yeah.
0: they're doing that. So, did
1: you, why did you feel that way? Did you, were you exposed to network marketing uh, before? Mm.
0: Yeah. And my parents had worked with a company um when I was probably twelve, something like that, and and my mum, you know, she had that spirit to try and succeed, but she had a lot of demons and I think, you know, until you tackle those it is all about personal development. You know, your business is going to grow as fast as you do and all of those things. She couldn't, she couldn't break free of that. And she didn't have the support of my dad. And so I just was left with this feeling that it was lame, you know, that it was naff and that you had to wear shoulder pads and high heels and aggressive makeup and sort of march about and, and have this kind of mask on where you kind of got people. And I, I was completely ignorant, you know, but that was the feeling I had. And so I was, you know, I, was um, one of those aggressive and ignorant critics and it took exactly this combination who eventually they became my sponsors um, to reach me because they were totally focused on where they were going and they didn't need me and they cared but they didn't care too much and that's exactly what I needed to give me the space and the safety to look and when I did I absolutely got it I just, it was like, absolutely. I I totally believe in the message of the company. I totally believe, you know, in what I'd be educating people about. And I also, I could do this. I could do this. You know, I was coming from that background of, you know, like I said, running to stand still in traditional business. I was, I just got it. It's like, man, I, I could stick with this. I could find those people. And I was fully prepared for it to take me 10 years and I just, I totally had to run this in the, in the nooks and crannies of my, of my life around those 80 hours I was already working. So yeah, that's how I got started. So <laughs> I want
1: to ask you, you said something uh, like your sponsors, they cared but they didn't care that much. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that is, really has to do with posture that kind of yeah. probably got you curious as to what they did. And I think most distributors, they care and they care too much and mm-hmm. they just spend all their waking hours talking to the, a couple handful of prospects. Yeah.
0: And, and they're talking to them in a way that's like, do you think it's cool? Are you going to validate me? Are you going to say that this is good? And it's just, it's so needy. And until, and it's just one of those paradoxes in this industry. It's where you have to get anchored in yourself and convinced that you're going to go the distance and convinced that your team are out there and you're just, you know, trying to engage with people in a meaningful way. You know, you can't be too cool as a cucumber. You've got to care. But your self-worth is not in those people people's hands, you know, and you don't need to diss them or judge them if they're saying no, but you do need to hold your own space. And it's a mysterious quality that really personal development really is, is the key and anchoring into your reason for building a business.
1: So how did you go from uh, looking at them? Uh, with a like kind of disappointment after your husband <laughs> found out to actually the meeting. What did it? Was a home meeting? How, how did you, did you go up to them and say, hey, finally, yeah. Share. Yeah. you went up to I'm, them?
0: I'm one of those dream people, you know, that people are out there with their fingers crossed waiting for um, where I literally said to them, you know, honestly, you know, I've, I haven't, come across anybody who's had their heart and soul together in network marketing i i people have tried to get me a lot literally sort of come at me with glazed eyes because i was a health professional and and sort of almost licking their lips i've written a great blog about that um about you know are you getting people or are you helping people and they were definitely trying to get me whereas um the couple who sponsored me they were all about you know getting after their own dream living their own values and it was very attractive and I said to them you know so how are you doing this and managing to be you know apparently such nice people because that's you know Show me, and we sat down and we looked at it. They just did a, a one-on-one presentation to me, and um, my husband had even looked at this information about the same company months before with somebody else, and I had refused to look at it. That's mm. that's how negative I was. And when I looked at it, it was just like the veil was lifted. It was just that I could totally see myself doing this in the way that they were doing it. Um, and you can't fake it. You can't. It's something else I really want to stress: is you can't fake that posture. You can't sort of believe that you're better than people. You know that's how it comes off when you try and fake it. It's it's not. It's not wholesome. It's not wholehearted. And um, yeah, it I took people who were really and they they were massive on personal development. They had a huge library, and we were so broke when we started that they loaned me all of their resources. You know, one at a time. I remember our dog ate one of their tape sets (laughs) 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 um, they were patient you know and just kept on feeding feeding me particularly this stuff and that personal development again um set my compass straight if you like and that becomes very attractive but you have to do the work in order to, to climb into that space
1: You know, you you said that you can't fake it. You really got to have that posture. So if someone's new, I think that's one of the biggest challenges to hold them back. They feel like, I'm not, you know, I'm not there yet. And if I act confidently, I'm faking it. Or they lack belief. They don't think they can do it. So because of that, they act like a person who becomes needy and someone that no one wants to join. So what tips do you have for someone who's like maybe they're struggling with a self-image? How do they have that confidence to feel that they've made it already?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the other end of that stick as well, Simon, is that you can slip into being arrogant and cold and unapproachable and kind of I'm better than you. So it is it is a real sweet spot in the middle there. And um, I think that's where things like visualization come in. And um, it is a skill. But it's so worth practicing. Again, you know, it's one of those things that you can put yourself in the way of that and learn it. And it's very nebulous and it's very easy to pretend, you know, kid yourself that you're doing it. And when you truly engage with just spending a few minutes every day, and this was something I was was good at doing, um, seeing yourself moving in the world in the position that you want to be in. So maybe you want to replace your income. How does it feel to be sitting here in this seat or driving this car or walking, you know, however you, whatever you're doing, listening to Simon and me talking right now, how does it feel to be doing that, having achieved that thing? So for me, there was a particular, um, a particularly strong visualization I would do when I really started to engage with a particular level I wanted to reach in the company. How I would move in the room was just, Slightly different, you know. Maybe you wouldn't be able to see it, but you could feel it. You know, you could feel that I would be different. Maybe I'd be wearing the same stuff, driving the same car, living in the same flat, driving the same. You know, I'm um, working, driving myself into the ground in the same job. But that energetic shift, visualization is a is a free and incredibly powerful way to achieve that space. And being patient with yourself, you know, being humble, you know, being willing to accept that. Hey, I am where I am. And that in network marketing, I see so many people miss that. The incredible power of being new, of having permission to not be shiny and polished, of having permission to not have all the answers, of, of having permission to be able to say to people, look, you know, I don't, I haven't made any income yet, but these are my goals and this is who I'm working with and I'm right on track. And how about we do this together? It's it's a wonderful, magical. Well, I don't like to use the word magical, but it's a fabulous time to, to be building a business if you grab it with both hands and, and engage people in your vision of where mm. you're going.
1: You know, the visualization kind of. I always talk about the movie, the movie of your life that you're playing in your mind, right? That's the most important movie we have, we're watching. Um, and I do that when I'm exercising, I'm running. You know, I guess it's endorphins; it makes me feel good. I just start seeing myself where I'm going not where I am, where I'm going. And so that played a big part when I started my m on business. Even today, nowadays, I do it. And in the morning, I spend like two, three minutes just going through the visual images. Do you have a certain visualization routine? Do you, when do you visualize? Do you just sit in your car and close your eyes and do it? Or do you do it before you sleep? What do you, what do you find most effective for you?
0: When I first started... I definitely had a visualization routine. I'd do it um, morning and night, and I'd, I'd do it for about five minutes. And I'd close my eyes, and I'd sit still, and I'd run that movie. And now I've got, I've got two small kids, and they f- feel your life, <laughs> as you would know. And what I do is, you know, even in, in the minute before this call, I can sit and I can feel what it's like to sit in my car, um, having sold a million copies of my book. How does that feel? now in this moment and I can when I'm boiling the kettle to put the rice on for dinner I can visualize how it feels to flick that kettle on as a million copy bestseller and so it's it's just in those moments of feeling myself in my life but it's already done and it's so easy to miss how powerful that is and it's not the same as getting lost in fantasy and just spending all your time, you know, dwelling in this comfortable place or sitting around with your fingers crossed, visualizing like mad, but never taking any action. But it's it's taking that action. It's keeping up that motion. Um, but doing it with a regular reminder to yourself of of who you are, you know, the, the energy that you're giving off, if you like, and that you're attracting to you.
1: I think you mentioned an important thing, who you are. And I think where a lot of people go wrong when they visualize is they visualize just the outcome, but they don't visualize the process of that person. And like you said, it's who you are. So if you're going to be a top earner or you're going to sell a million copies in the book, book, what does that person do? How's mm-hmm. the daily life art? And you visualizing that. So ML Nation, if you're listening to this, and you want to be a top earner, you want to be, have the residual income, you know, earned over a million dollars like the way Helen is, visualize what did Helen do? Right, what would she do? Uh, so actually, let me transition to the question. What did you do to build, uh, to, to build your business? Well, What are some of the two, daily things, like your routines and habits you did?
0: Um, while, while I remember, because I'm going to forget this otherwise, I'm going to tell you the daily routine in a minute, but it re- that visualization, it really did dramatically affect what I was willing to do because I moved in the room at meetings and things as though – and again, it's not an arrogance thing. I just saw myself as a significant income earner in my company. And I didn't necessarily have a number on that right then. But I would go, I absolutely would go up and introduce myself to the to the top income earners at that time. And oft, some of those people would be a little bit cold and kind of like, who are you? You know, you're sort of waiting to talk to me, but I'm talking to someone, um, which is actually quite unusual in this industry. But I think they were taken aback because I saw myself that way. But they didn't know who on earth I was at that point. And so it's seeing yourself that way will affect who you are who you are willing to go and engage with, who you're willing to put this in front of, and and how you move. So if I hadn't been doing that stuff about seeing myself succeeding and letting that in, I would have stayed at the back of the room and I'd have taken notes and I'd have left. But going up and engaging with leaders – Asking them things and listening to them—that is—that's one of the richest minds that we have in network marketing. And almost every leader is more than willing to share their experience with you if you'll listen. You yeah. know, instead of just telling them how hard you've got it. But on a daily basis, no, I,
1: I, it- let me add one thing before that. I, I think mm. also, I think with the attitude, the self it's not really attitude, the self-talk—is if you go into if you're like going to a meeting and no one knows you, and, and it's common because you're new, right? Have to add the self-talk to say, hey, no one knows me now, but soon everyone's going to know me. So if someone says, oh, I've never heard of you before, my self-talk is like, well, you soon, will. Soon, the whole room will know who I am, Mm -hmm. right? And having that self-talk instead, oh, I'm a nobody and uh, I'm struggling. Like, you know, Helen was approaching people with the posture and the confidence of being because she was being before she became. And then seriously, I mean, just by... Your voice, Helen, I can, you know, this is, of course, years later, I can visualize how you walk into a room instead of like, mm-hmm. you know, and the, it, it actually dictates your body language, right? Mm-hmm. Because instead mm-hmm. of walking with like, kind of slumped down, kind of shy, timid, you're walking with like shoulders up, head high, like confidently, and mm-hmm. just small little things like that. You know, people notice it in your daily lives and you, you track success.
0: Absolutely. It's your eye contact. It's the strength of your handshake. It's whether you're willing to listen or whether you need to tell someone, you know, your victim story again. You know, I've got no time and I've got no money. And, you know, but, you know, if if they've got solutions to that, it's kind of like, no, let me tell you again. You obviously don't understand how difficult I've got it. It's that willingness to listen and to learn and to apply what you learn. Everything, everything comes back to how you see yourself and how you, how you're willing to move in the world. So... Yeah, it's it's big. Free, but a big resource you can use. Easy to miss. Yeah,
1: so let's go back to the routine. Uh, because mm. you saw yourself as a successful leader already, what did you mm. do?
0: So one thing that really stood me in, in good stead is that I was at, I had really, really low expectations. I knew that this could be incredibly lucrative, but I knew that business took a long time. So I felt I was fully prepared to take 10 years to replace our you know to cover our household expenses you know that thing of getting out of the rat race where you don't have to work because your expenses are covered and I because I knew I could only do this part-time I had no intention of giving up my traditional business it was my baby and I could only do this part-time it was another it was a really great residual income stream that I got my hands on and so it was going to take me 10 years to find the necessary. Um, customers and associates and all of the rest of it to create that volume. And um, so I just set about it really methodically. And like I said, I I had to do this very late at night and I had to do this very early in the morning and I had to do it at lunchtime. And I really just focused on um, production, if you like. So I, I had to sit down with two people a week. That was my goal. I had to sit down with two people who wanted to hear this information. I couldn't dupe them into it or get them around for a cup of tea and then, you know, pull out a whiteboard. It was, they had to be, you know, know that they were going to look, look at um, a business with me and they were hungry to look at something. And so I did that. And um, what it's easy to lapse into is focusing on wheel spinning activities. You know, I'm just going to call 10 people. Maybe it took me 20 calls and 15 answer machines to sit down with those two people and it was focusing on the sitting down with that really kept me in in massive production, I suppose. And that's not, you know, that seemed like um, a little number, sitting down with two people a week, but they were really willing to hear what I had to say. And the other thing, because I know you always ask people at the end about, you know, what would you do if you were dropped in um, the middle of nowhere to build your business? I kind of was at that time. I had emigrated to... Um, New Zealand and I had thrown myself into study so I had my classmates who I knew but I was working really hard on the side as I started my traditional business and so I'd become pretty isolated from a lot of people. I had had very loose connections with people and so I needed to, um, find people who I could talk to and I got really good at my call and I'm a very direct person. And I loved, I think it was from Randy Gage, I originally got the idea, but as I was learning how to call people and to, you know, put it on the table, you know, being clear about what I was offering them without giving them too much information and, you know, giving them a haircut over the phone, um, I learned, I just, my, favorite approach with people who knew me by first name was to say you know what do you know about network marketing you know have you got a minute what do you know about network marketing and people had no clue um they'd name a couple of big companies or they'd say it was something to do with computers and I'd say well you know it's it's not actually that it's different from that and then I would tell them a little bit about what I was doing and why they might want to look at it and people were really willing to have a look. And I think it comes back down to that mindset because I was so excited. They wanted to, and it wasn't like, hey, you know, rah, rah, rah. I wasn't out of my skin and, man, have you been drinking too much coffee. I was, I was focused and, and excited but in quite a grounded way. I guess my sponsors had rubbed off on me. And that meant that people wanted to sit down and find out what had got under my skin. So I did that for probably 12 weeks, and then I started to get some traction. It was about four months when I managed to pay back my business. We put it on a credit card to get started, um, which my husband was a little bit sweaty-palmed about, and we paid that back and started to make income from there. So it was really, and then probably seven or eight months in, I actually sold my business and started to focus on on my network marketing business full-time. Mm.
1: What was the turning point or like a a light bulb moment that after that, you kind of got like a big aha and things really, really took off for you and then you were able to sell your business?
0: There were two moments. So when I sold my business, it was really, I had realized that it was just getting in my way. It was the same thing I'd had. I went to a seminar while I was still studying osteopathy um, and he was talking about um, this whole trading time for money and the ceiling on your income. And if you stop working, the money stops coming in. And again, it was a real spiritual experience for me. I sat in the front row and I realized I have to put my osteopathy on hold. I'd finished the bachelor's, the, the first part of the degree, and needed to go on and get a master's in order to practice. I'd just started my master's. And I realized that I couldn't keep pursuing that career path because it was going to keep me trapped. I had to get the money thing done first. And then by all means, I could go back and study it if I wanted to, which I haven't. Um, But it was that same feeling of like, oh, my gosh, this traditional business, it's going to take five years to really turn a significant profit. What could I do with my network marketing business if I focused on that instead of trying to, you know, um sort of almost grab sips of water, you know, on the edges of my life from this network marketing oasis, I wanted to have my time free and clear to be able to focus on on putting my energies that I was putting into my traditional business, put that into my network marketing business. So that's when um, it was actually my sister and I, we agreed to sell that business and she had started in my team and we just started to focus on our networking from there. And then the second thing was Probably 12 months into my business, leadership visited from the United States. And New Zealand's a really small country. Um, Look it up on a map if you don't know where we are. (laughs) But we've got 4 million people here. And um, that's a really big population difference and a really big difference in experience and longevity of the industry. And when these leaders came from America and did a training, a weekend training, it absolutely blew my hair back. I suddenly could see that I could do this. And, and it was a real case of if they're doing it, I can do it. And again, because I'd already seen myself as um, someone who was going to create significant income in this industry, I had gone to convention. Now, nobody, the company had been here in New Zealand for, I think it was 10 years by the time I started my business. And nobody else from the entire country was going to convention that year. And I was probably around that eight-month mark into my business. It's a significant investment to get across to the States from here in time and money. And I went with one other team member, again, my sister. And that was a similar experience was, if they're doing it, quite frankly, I can do this. You know, they're not wearing capes they're not you know got special powers they're people who seem to know how to communicate really well they seem to genuinely care about people they've just worked hard they've worked as hard as I was working in studying osteopathy or as hard as I was working in my traditional business but they've done it here and it's that wonderful example of you know if you're trying to if you're trying to get so say I'm trying to get to the United States for convention I can go on a tricycle and pedal until I'm blue in the face I'm not going to get there doesn't matter how much effort I put in but if I take the time and learn how to f- fly a jet then I'm going to actually make it and so I looked you know, I st- stood back and looked at my goals this is where I want to go this is the time freedom I want to have this is the income I'm going to need to do the kind of things that I want to do to enjoy that freedom am I going to get there pedaling my traditional business tricycle even if i you know flog myself to death doing it and the answer was no and it these are tough questions like i said you know they were they were big experiences for me you know they're very confronting my mum had paid for me as a foreign student to to do my osteopathy that's a huge commitment that's a huge obligation i had and i'm very very blessed because when i talked it through with her and said hey you know i'm going to leave osteopathy and <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh pursue entre- being an entrepreneur She was like, you know, at the end of the conversation, she's like, you know, honey, if that's what you want to do, then I'm going to back you. And when I started my network marketing business, you know, even though she'd done it and failed many times, she'd tried lots of different companies. She was like, well, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do. And so seeing myself gave me the courage to make some big decisions. And I see people... Try and make big decisions because they think it's the right thing to do. You know, oh, they would do that or, you know, this would make a good story. That's the wrong reason to make big decisions. If you feel it in your bones and you've made peace with this because it's about your future and that's what you are committed to, then do it. But if you're just trying to spin some sort of Russian roulette wheel in the hopes that doing something ballsy will give you a lucky break then don't do it mm. it's about it's about personal responsibility that's what a lot a, so much of this industry comes down to and again if you are, if you're visualizing where you want to be if you're visualizing how it feels to be in that space right now then you're going to find these decisions they're not necessarily easy but you're going to find they become quite straightforward and and you'll find you have the courage to make them so that's really you know I wouldn't have gone to convention if I hadn't seen myself in that way. I would not have applied what I learned when these trainers came from the States. There were 400 people in that room learning that training and only two of us started to break ranks in a, in a really big way after that training, two, two couples and, and and our teams. And so, yeah, it, I can't stress enough how much it comes down to personal development and getting your head around who you are and how you're moving in the world.
1: What's uh something that excites you about network marketing now
0: it's interesting because i've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately um obviously there's yours some just the um richard blissbrook does a lovely um call interviewing yeah. yeah um network marketing heroes i'm really impressed right now with the the dignity that i hear people have people in their 20s man i didn't I I was more on the arrogant, you know, um you can't you can't make me kind of feisty um space when I was in my 20s which served me well. But what I'm hearing is a real grace in people, um even if they're very young, um and a humility about hey, you know, People, people need space, you know, maybe they want to replace their income, they don't necessarily want to be a a massive top income earner. It's about listening to people instead of like, well, if you don't want to do this, you're a loser. You know, if you're not on board, then who needs you? You know, that that was definitely there in the early days of my um, business, and where I needed to sort of judge people if they weren't on board, just to basically try and make myself feel better. My ego really got behind the wheel for a while there. I don't hear that at all in some of these people. And it's just so lovely. And it's so good for the industry because that's about, um, it's about, I don't want to say stewardship, but it's about leadership, really. It's about being an amazing example in all areas of life. And when you have got the money thing done and you're doing your creating that income, sharing something you do feel really passionate about, then you're really empowering people in a in a much more meaningful way uh, other than just sort of getting them to inject a huge amount of money into their lives, which is great. I mean, money's, like I've said before, you know, it's extremely important. It's right up there with oxygen, as Zig Ziglar said. But um, it's if you don't bring the other areas of your life along with that, then it's just going to... Um, make you more of what you already were when you started. And it's possible to jump into this industry because you're feeling very insecure and you want other people to tell you that you're great. And so that's what excites me most about the industry right now is this wave of of very gracious, humble leadership that's extremely powerful, but in a very rounded way. And I, it's blowing my hair back that people are, are doing achieving that so young and I, it must be personal development. That they're engaging in so it's a real um leadership production factory and i i find that so exciting yeah
1: speaking about self-development you recently wrote the book the networker can mm. you share with us uh what that's about and uh, what drove you to write this book
0: well do you know there's a story behind that because i didn't write it recently i wrote it um but seven years ago um so i was um just a, a brand new mum to my second baby. And what was happening was I just wanted to be in a cocoon and I didn't want to engage with anybody outside of our household. <laughs> I just wanted to deal with this enormous life change. And what I found was people couldn't reach me. They couldn't touch me from my team in a way that they could have, could have done before. And what would happen before was they'd get freaked out by some kind of ignorant feedback from somebody who'd never had anything to do with this industry. You know, someone like me before I'd started in, you know, before I'd had a really good look at this industry for myself. You know, I had a big mouth and a lot of opinions, but I was completely ignorant. So team members would come up against someone like that. And then they, it's like a torpedo, you know, from Scott Alexander's book, Rhinoceros Success. And they'd get flattened and then we'd talk about it and they'd think, oh, no, hang on. What I've got in my hands is pretty amazing. Right, let me get back up and keep going. And they'd learn about themselves and the industry and and I'd help them with that. And they couldn't do that anymore. And people were getting flattened and quitting for no good reason other than they were thinking that the normal staff of business – that if they'd spoken to me, they would have been completely reassured that this was normal. They were getting freaked out that it wasn't normal. And then they were giving up. But they were actually giving up because their business was growing, which was why these uncomfortable things were happening. So it was really tragic. And I just suddenly thought they need to see, people need to see that it's not that successful people have special bullets. They don't. They just have a way of approaching exactly the same problems, you know, probably bigger problems than most of p- most people listening to The Call are facing right now. If you listen to, to some amazing stories out there from leaders who've, you know, crawled over broken glass to succeed. And they've taken those obstacles. They've looked at them in a certain way. They've engaged with them in a certain way. They've applied certain tools and certain ways of being and they've, they've climbed over those obstacles or climbed under them or, or walked around them. And so I I wanted to write a novel because I wanted people to see that story unfold. I wanted them to see that that woman, you know, she's feeling exactly that same stuff. And that's what people say over and over again is how, how did you know that's what I was thinking? You know, how it's like, because I thought it, you know, because I went through this stuff, you know, Mm. it's not unique to you. It's not a reason to quit. And I wanted to point people to personal development resources. So it's like a how-to toolbox novel, because it's showing what she uses and when and what happens when she uses it. And it's not one of those stories. It's like, yeah, and then they all live happily ever after. It's like the rough and tumble of building a network marketing business happens to this woman. And it's how she comes out of that washing machine and how she masters herself. And so I wrote it. And then I, a bunch of people read it in the team, were blown away. Wow, that's amazing. And then these life events started to happen, you know, and one of them that I'll share now is that my mum died, you know, and when my dad died, I'd felt incredibly fired up. It was like, I was almost like putting my hands up in that boxing position. It's like, yeah, you know, you can't make me, I'm going to, I'm going to live my own life. But when my mum died, she'd actually been a really big cheerleader for me. She'd given me so much permission, like I just said earlier, about, you know, hey, if you want to quit this course where you're top of the class and you're finally on the straight and narrow, then, hey, great, if that's what you want to do. You know, she wasn't flippant, but she was there with me sharing that. And she was backing me quietly. And when she died, I just felt like the rug had gone from under me like where is my north you know what does this all mean and that went on for a long time and when she was dying she had cancer and when she was dying she asked me if I'd published that book yet and she the look on her face she was so disappointed that I hadn't published it and so then I just felt galvanized to take action and I got it um, printed up but then I didn't do anything with it again. So you know this procrastination and this, you know, this cycle of of not taking action. It happens to everybody. I think it's the natural state of being human. And it took another bump for me to actually um, put it out and and share it. Start to share it with the world. Which was I travelled to Europe, feeling like you know I totally neglected my business, hadn't been working in it. I mean for for years in England feeling like, you know, hey, well, I'm not a top income earner anymore and, you know, feeling a bit down on, on my business. And I shared, this woman was talking to me about what I did and how come I could travel. And, and when I shared with her what, I, what this business, she's got, she said, you got a business that produces income. She, just, It was amazing watching her head, get her head around it, something I'd completely taken for granted. And she said, I go to work for that amount of money and put my kids in care. Are you, are you kidding me? And so this business that I hadn't really been feeling warm in my heart towards because I wasn't a top income earner anymore, I suddenly saw it through her eyes. And I realized network marketing is so precious because it produces money that you no longer have to work for and that people were disengaging with that because of typical obstacles of business that they were just looking at the wrong way. And I realized I had to actually publish the book and take some action to, to, to let people know about it. Mm. And so that's a long, twisty path. And again, I guess it comes from having a real belief in what I've got to share and a real vision about it. This meant I kind of stayed engaged with it, even even though my own torpedoes have been happening and knocking me out of the park left, right and center. So again, it comes back to how you see yourself and how you're engaging with where you want your life to go. That will um, determine, you know, what life can do for you. You know, what you'll do with the stuff that comes into your path and how you interpret it.
1: Mm. Well, I mm. definitely have to check out Emotion because it is a novel, right? It's not like a how-to book; it's a novel. Mm. So, mm. so it's like you don't really—we uh, don't see many novels in network marketing. <laughs> so, it's There's definitely gonna be very of- interesting. It's a story. It's going to be even if you don't like to read, hey, it's going to be a fun one because it's a story, All it's right. a novel.
0: Yeah, and it's. Um, that's something people say is, I mean, you can get it on audio. We'll put a code in the show notes I'll send you one, Simon, so that MLM Nation can get a discount on the audio book um, when, this, when this airs. So it will give you 50% off so that people will actually use it because you can listen to it when you're going about your day, listen to it in the car, listen to it when you're exercising. And what the idea is with it being a story is that you'll follow it long enough to see what these resources can actually do if you use them because that's what I kept coming across was people were like you know okay well where's your secret where's your secret source what's your secret training system what's your secret there isn't a secret but you do have to use books like think and grow rich the magic of thinking big rhinoceros success you do need to learn how to communicate with people effectively you can't bypass that stuff and i think i see a lot of people kind of treating network marketing like a lottery the cost of entry is so low and the talk of massive incomes and you know living the life of your dreams is so loud the people totally lose sight of the laws of cause and effect you know people who've never made more than 30 grand a year in their life maybe as a receptionist or something or a waitress or start a network marketing business and then are all sort of miffed and hard done by when they're not a millionaire the following christmas you know or or literally not i've sat down with people who've had goals to make a hundred thousand dollars and they're making thirty thousand dollars right now but they can't make the training on Tuesday because it's netball practice and they got Bible study on Thursday and they'll have to skip the training this week because relatives from out of town are coming. And that's okay, but it's not, you're, you can't become a brain surgeon who commands a really high income if you don't go to class and that's okay you don't need to judge yourself for it but please don't blame the industry when it doesn't pull a rabbit out of the hat for you when you've actually invested nothing in it i mean it's not it's not la la land the com- the companies don't need to throw large sums of money at people for nothing and so it's kind of it's about engaging with that process it's it's not about needing to go coal mining for the next 5 years and spend 80 hours a week down the mines covered in coal dust or something really an awful way to create an income. It's about finding 10 hours a week and really engaging with it purposefully so that you can um, become skilled enough that you can create customers for the company and then they'll pay you. It's, yeah. So it, the laws of cause and effect are very real, but I think people lose them because of, again of that talk of you know what's possible. And it is possible, but not if you don't do the work.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you, I, I like the way you talked about Success, right? The definition of success. Because I've been down that road where you may not, you know, earn the millions, the top 10 income earner. And you, mm. you know, and if you're very motivated and driven, you're going to be hard on yourself. You may actually even lack some belief about a business. But I love how you shared that you still got residual income. And you even <laughs> though you weren't doing anything because your mom's death, you're totally out of the business, um, but you were earning more than people do at a full time job.
0: Yeah we our residual income is still more now than my husband used to make in his high school teaching job when we started. So it's and there yeah my ego was well out of control when I was a top income earner because I was I'd stopped doing personal development. I yeah. really had. And yeah. it that was my that was my magic porridge pot if you like my goose that was laying the golden eggs and Stephen Covey talks about it beautifully in the seven habits of highly effective people where he's like you can focus on the golden eggs and lose sight of actually feeding the goose and looking after the goose and caring for the goose making sure the goose is happy and you'll only notice when the when the eggs stop coming and it's too late and so a lot of these life events even though they were very traumatic and painful that threw me full force back into personal development and one of those things is you know getting my value straight and seeing the true value of my business for me and for other people it may be being a top income owner you know if that's if that's what floats your boat then it's wonderful but it's personal I believe it's really important to engage personally with your goals and for me it's about um residual income that aspect of my business is is such a blessing and that's what I want other people to be able to tap into because it really sets you free gives you choices
1: yeah i think you know what uh, i've learned as i've grown is really look at you know there's two ways to you can be a top income earner making like a million a year but you're working like 60 cuz everything comes at a price right that's, that's kind of active income you're busting your butt pu- and we all have stages where we're pushing ourselves active active income. We are the top earners. We may be making a million, but working 70, 80 hour weeks Two, maybe like right now, you know, Helen, you're not doing anything and you, and so I, I calculated by like how much you're getting paid per hour, Mm. you know? And so there were times when I used to earn a lot even for me, I'm retired, I'm not building. There was times when I used to earn a lot more, but I was working 60, 70 hours a week, as opposed Mm. to now I'm doing like, you know, five minutes a month. Right. Mm. So you actually Mm. calculate, the uh, dollar per hour, I'm actually making way more now than that. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to what you said. You're really, you're, your values, you have to be, it goes back to your values, your definite success. And, you know, and life, like life happens. Like you have difficult life events and you have to adjust accordingly. But if you have the values and the visualization, the person you will become,
0: you'll be all right. I think everyone's mm-hmm. going to be all right. And it's like, it's like having a toolbox yeah. that you can tap into. And, um, those life events, if I'd had to keep on grinding away in a job, I couldn't have taken the time to heal. I couldn't.
1: Would have knocked you out. Or...
0: Yeah, and my kids would have suffered because I would have become this shrewish, resentful, shriveled up person who's angry all the time. And and instead, you know, it's been hard, but I've been able to embrace that experience and process it because that takes time and money. Everything does have a price. You yeah. know, being home with my kids has a price. Um And so it's very important to, there'll be a lot of people out there. You know, people totally laughed at me. People telling me it wouldn't work. I remember when we, we just had a week where we made $12,000 and my husband was talking to the brother of an old school friend of his and he's like, showed him the information. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> It's like when you're up against that kind of apathy or that kind of, and it is ignorance. And again, you don't have to judge people for it. It can be kind of like hard to stay engaged with what you've got to offer because most people don't get it. That's why there's such a massive education component in this industry. And so it's really important to sell yourself first, get really focused what your values are, where you're going and why, and that you're going to go the distance and um, the rest will kind of take care of itself. The right people will show up, and the wrong people will filter themselves out because you won't be attractive to them. But they won't get you down the same way as if you're going to them and asking them, you know, what do you think of my business? Will you do you like it enough to join? You'll just you'll get so drained and and depressed doing it that way very quickly that you won't be able to sustain it. So you've got to do something sustainable because you need to go the distance.
1: Yeah, and. I want to uh, reemphasize the point you had said, was that everyone has problems, right? And th- the more you earn, the more money you make, the bigger you get. There's one guarantee, There'll be two guarantees. There'll still be problems, and the problems will <laughs> be way tougher and way worse. Whereas, uh, but yeah. the third thing is actually three things. The third thing is, but as you've grown, like Helen has grown, you'll be able to handle the problems a lot better. So mm-hmm. as opposed to if Helen was still working, when her mom passed away, it probably knocked her out. But the personal development that you get through network marketing allowed you to really grow and move be, move past those tough times.
0: Yeah. so or engage engage with them differently, yeah. really. that's right. that People's comfort zones, you know, they're pretty small when you start in network marketing and they grow. And so there's still problems just outside those comfort zones. You wouldn't even have registered what they were. You know, how am I going to? pay for my helicopter repairs probably wasn't on your radar when you were first starting and wanting to cover your bills. But that comfort zone expands and you just have different skills. Like I said before, you have a different toolbox you can reach into to engage with those problems in a different way. And that's what network marketing can give you if you embrace the personal development side of it.
1: What can a dollar get you nowadays? Definitely not Starbucks and probably not even a bagel with cream cheese. Your best dollar investment is a 7-day trial to MLM Nation Insider. For just $1, you can have access to all my implementation guide trainings, such as how to create shareable social media posts, how to run your first home meeting, how to do your first one-on-one meeting, and much more for just $1. buck, These courses are normally $47, but with your dollar trial, you can get them all for free for 7 days. Go check it out at mlmnationinsider.com. That is mlmnationinsider.com. Hey, we've been talking way too long. Thank you so much for your valuable yes. time. <laughs> you know, we can go on and on. But I want to uh, finish really quick questions. And these could be like one or two word answers. Okay, well, okay. one sentence answers. So here's to pick your brain. The first question is, what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you?
0: Um, Jim Rohn. Don't wish it was easier. Wish that you were better.
1: Classic. What is one habit that's helped you become successful?
0: I think I've got incredible willpower. So if I decide to do something, I'd do it. So having a tick list of activities, five activities I'd need to do in a day before my head went on the pillow and sticking to that.
1: What's the best piece of advice you ever received?
0: (sighs) Um. There'd be a couple, I guess it's more of a saying, no one can do your push-ups for you. Um, so, you know, engage with that work. And also, my upline used to say, um, any kind of problem, any problem I would care to mention or be moaning about, he'd just say, call more people. <laughs> I like Solves that. everything, call more people.
1: That's <laughs> and right. that's so true. <laughs> so, so true, so true. Um, do you have a favorite online resource, like a Dropbox or Evernote, or like a favorite app on your phone that you could recommend?
0: Um, I love Google Calendar for sharing my diary with other people so that we can, you know, do that with the least fandangle in terms of booking appointments, Um, and also the notes on my iPhone, just that notes application on there and just writing down thoughts and things I need to remember and blog topics and all those sorts of things. It's, that's what I use the most.
1: Aside from your book, The Networker, and also you had mentioned Thinking rage and the magic of thinking big uh, and the rhinoceros success. Rhinoceros Success by Jerry D. uh Any? Do you have any one or two other books you could recommend?
0: Uh, I think well, those would be my favorites. Scott Alexander's Rhinoceros Success is wonderful. I'm sorry, I
1: actually I I think I was confused with uh, Jerry Clark's uh, audio series. Sorry about that.
0: Oh yeah, I've heard that one too. But no, this is the book by Scott Alexander. Rhinoceros Success. I got to check it out. Oh, you do, and then you'll need to send me a message and say how much you loved it because he just lifts your spirits, adds humor, and really engages with the things that matter about being an entrepreneur and getting getting out of the square. It's wonderful. So, yeah, and, and Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy is wonderful.
1: And here's the last question. You know it's coming. You mentioned it before, the million-dollar questions. Are you
0: ready? <laughs> I'm ready.
1: So here's the million-dollar question, Helen. Imagine you had to start all over again. You had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom, but you knew no one. So you didn't know your kids. You didn't know your husband. You knew no one. What's the first thing you do or the first place you go to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch?
0: Well, there's two things I do. One, I was thinking about it. The the people I enjoyed working with the most in my team and who actually became the most successful are people who I met through entrepreneurial events. And they had a real fire in their belly. And again, they were really willing to pay the price. They weren't going to obsess um, over... What the price was, they were just really focused on where they want. So yeah, they didn't, they were focused on the prize, and they weren't going to obsess about the price. So I would try and find entrepreneurial events, um, mixes, or those sorts of things where and find people who had an entrepreneurial bent. And the other thing I do is I'd get a job. Because it's a great way to meet a lot of people it's a really good it would keep me fired up in terms of not wanting to be penned in but i would have access to a lot of people who are probably feeling the same way and then i'd have the income to invest in more in more entrepreneurial courses and that sort of thing where i'm going to meet lots more people again you can't go to those things just as some sort of predator you have to go for your own you know i'd need to go for my own to stoke my own fires, if you like, and to get my own passion burning for what I was learning about on that course. Um, And then, again, life just would put those people in my path.
1: As we wrap up, any last words of advice? And then what's the best way listeners can connect and contact you?
0: I think in terms of advice, um, it'd be stay in touch with your heart and your values, And remember where you're going and why it's a personal mission and to really, to really relish the challenge because success is kind of protected by a bunch of rings, concentric rings, and the first one knocks people over and most 80% of people fall over and 20% will climb over the next barrier and, you know, on and on and on. Difficult things knock most people over. And network marketing is full of difficult stuff. That's why they're going to pay you the big bucks. But most people don't get back up. You don't have to be Hercules to achieve um, the strength to get back up. You just need to get back up. And so there's a wonderful, I think it's a Japanese proverb, which is success is about getting, getting knocked down seven times, but get back up eight times. That's my mantra, really.
1: And uh, how can uh, our listeners contact you and reach you?
0: Um, through iBuiltANetwork.com.
1: Awesome. Hey, ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you may hang out with Helen Jameson. So keep up the momentum. Go to MLNation.net and just type in Helen at the search bar. And the show notes or the nuggets of wisdom. Uh, the books Helen recommended, her book, uh, the special discount that Helen's giving us will be right there. In order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So Helen, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you so much, Helen, again, and God bless you.
0: Thank you, Simon.
1: Do you want to know the foolproof follow-up formula or three elements of fast-growing organizations or my co-market recruiting secrets? you can get these $47 courses along with all my other $47 trainings for only $1 by taking a 7-day trial to MLM Nation Insider. Go to MLNationInsider.com for the special trial offer. Again, MLMNationInsider.com for the special $1 trial. Hey MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan and wow, that was a long but great episode from Helen Jameson make sure you go to mlnation.net just type in Helen and you find it you you find the show notes and also the special discount if you want to check out her book The Networker it's a novel pretty pretty cool um but I think the main lesson here and I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna go too long is and I enjoy this to talk with her because it's not just about the skills and what to do but it's really what is life and success about what are your values and success? I know some of you are struggling. You want to make it, make that income, but success is about the journey. It's the person you become, and and that's why the success is like I used to think ninety percent of your success is mindset. Right? Is more than that. It's ninety nine percent, I think, because it's all about the person you become. So even when she got started, she visualized herself. Right? Not just the outcome, but also the process of the things she had to do. So when she met a leader, she before she went to the event, she visualized herself. What do leaders do? They network. They ask for tips. They learn to grow. So visualizing it. And if you, and if you don't visualize, you don't really believe and see yourself. Because you can't, like she said, you can't fake it. Then it becomes comes off as cocky and arrogant. And people can tell that, right? You need to have that posture. Because ultimately, people are buying you. People are buying you. And she shared that her husband sold the same company that so she was with. But she said, no, 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 no. And she was negative. But the sponsor, she saw something different. And I think that's really important. It's like they cared but didn't care that much, right? I think most of you, you care too much about your prospects. Now, caring means you do care them as a person, but you don't care whether they join or not. You're, you're not emotionally attached to the outcome. Because when you're too emotionally attached, number one, you get emotionally messed up because of it. And number two is like, you end up not talking to that many people because you're spending all your time thinking about these people. And you become needy. You cannot become needy. You cannot become needy. You know, this is business is your personal responsibility. It's not your upline, your company's fault, whatever. It's up to you right? And she talks about, um, you're really creating a leadership factory. I love the word, leadership factor. I think I first heard it from Randy Gage. Uh, and Randy Gage has been on the show. Go check him out. Uh, we had him previously, I think episode 100 or something. Uh Just do a search on Randy Gage. Talks about leadership factor. We're creating leaders. Leaders. Last thing, and it really is about the, you know, the mindset is everyone has problems. You know, a- afterwards, off the uh, off the interview, you know, Helen and I talk. It's like, yeah, we have. To, she has tons of problems. I got tons of issues. While I'm recording this, you know, I have three kids. Oh, now I can't say I have three kids under the five anymore because my my five year just turned five this week. But uh, I still have two and a half, you know, year, month boy, and also four months old boy, all going crazy. And we're moving right as of this. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'll be recording this in my old studio, but we're moving to a new house. All that stuff, and uh not with, with no help really no nanny and our family's not out here uh but you know I tell you like she you know Helen shared like how if she before network were if she had a, just a job right she would just gotten knocked out and i i, I definitely agree. before that were I've gotten knocked out but it really goes back to the personal development how you grow your mind how you approach the problems it's all about attitude all about your perspective all about attitude and knowing that everyone everyone has problems and, uh, you know, when you're trying to move with three boys and have no one to look after the boys while you're packing and moving, hey, that's my problem right now. You want to change problems? Um, and, you know, actually, someone said this too about perspective is if everyone laid out their problems on the table, kind of like a swap meet, lay them out, and you got to look at other people's problems, and then you look back at yourself, most of you probably hey, decide, hey, let me keep my problems to myself. I'm not trading. And uh, that's, the, you know, so... Never, it goes back to leadership, never criticize, complain, and condemn, right? Uh, just look for ways to how can you get better. And when you start looking at things at how can you get better, what they are, you start finding the solutions and they come out to you. And last thing, uh, two other things that Helen shared. Number one is, uh, first one is, and I share this a lot, it's like going full time too early is a big mistake. And she's talked about one of the best ways, and she answered the million dollar question, I love that, was to get a job. Right? Because number one, she wouldn't be needy. But second way, a job is a great, great way to meet people. And you don't necessarily need to be like a full-time, high-paying job. It could be a part-time job. It could be working at Starbucks as a barrister. But you put yourself in a position position where you get to meet lots of people. And you also pay some bills. And gets you in a routine. So really good advice from Helen. And the last thing I love of what she said, going back to the uh, mindset, is I kind of jumped around here. It's like you grow your mind because it's business you're investing this person in development, you're listening to this, your comfort zone grows as long as you stay in the business. As long as you don't quit, your comfort zone grows. And that is so true. Your tolerance, Things that you're tolerant of, things that you have the courage to do, just increases and in getting better. Because like Helen says, you have a quote-unquote, a different toolbox. I love the way she put it. You'll be armed with much better tools. So thanks Helen Jameson for this awesome show. Go to mlnation.net. Search for Helen and if you like the shows, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. They mean a lot to us and also helps other distributors find this awesome training. And lastly, share this with the MLM community. We're awesome. You know, it's just really cool to talk to friends from down, not even down under. Is that cool down under? Down under is Australia, but New Zealand, of all places, small, tiny country, beautiful country. But by the way, if you've never been there, highly recommended. Um, you know, MLM, we are worldwide. We are one nation. So thanks for listening to MLM Nation. And remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM
1: Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your
0: MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.